The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Miller Lite, and Hulu. Have you aboard, everybody? Bears football conversation coming up here on Bears All Access. I'm Jeff Joniak with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller joining us as we break down. Early in the week, we just had a show last Thursday, show a short turnaround, but no shortage of information coming through. We're going to have a good show tonight. we got Bilal Nichols, the now second-year defensive lineman, joining us in our next segment. And at the bottom of the hour tonight, we're going to be joined by uh, the Bears Defensive Rookie of the Year, in uh, a three-time Pro Bowl safety, the number six overall pick in 1990, safety Mark Carey, one of my favorite players on the Bears, going back a ways, had 10 interceptions that rookie year. But without further ado, we welcome in Tom and Jim. We'll tackle news of the day. we got uh, three draft picks signed today, guys. Riley Ridley, the receiver out of Georgia, Stephen Denmark, the corner out of Odessa State, and Kareth White, the running back out of Florida Atlantic. Not difficult these days to sign rookies, but good to get them, get them all in before OTA start next week. Man, you said it, Jeff. You know, I'm glad the rookies nowadays get a chance to sign before the pressure of training camp so they are around for OTAs and the mini camps and the other opportunities they have to be around the facility and around their teammates and get in the classroom because I think it really expedites their opportunity to play sooner. And when you look at guys, you know, from, you know, Eddie Jackson, for example, how quickly they were being included in being evaluated as a possible contender for their position, I like the the modern-day signing of the NFL to get these players in-house. Yeah, you know, just to get them accustomed, get them acclimated, you know, just what the life is like to be a a professional, how your days are going to be. And, you know, I just think the, the more you're, you know, familiar with your surroundings, you can just settle in a lot better and you get in a routine to, to really embark on your NFL career to try and put yourself in the uh, the most advantageous position to have success early uh, in your NFL career. But you're right, Jeff. I mean, it's kind of uh, slot and slated or slated yeah. and slotted right now where, you know, it's pretty much the ducks fall in a row pretty quickly. Very rarely uh, do you find obviously the, the situation last year with, with Roquan over the language, but very rarely does that happen anymore in the NFL. And a couple of uh, things over the weekend. Uh, James Daniels uh, graduated from the University of Iowa, I believe a biology major, and he ripped out the, uh, he was wearing number 68, he wore his jersey underneath, so that was cool. Uh, you know, and, and we really haven't talked about him as much because we're talking about all the skill positions all the time, but this is a, an ascending talent who is moving uh, more than likely to center after his 10 starts at left guard last season, and this, this could be a player we're going to see here for 10 years. You know, Jeff, I think they did. The Bears did a really smart job last year in keeping him at offensive guard, not putting too much on his plate. Let him run to the line of scrimmage without having to think about the center quarterback exchange, the snap count, the different variations that he has to control in terms of the pass protection responsibilities of all the blockers that are involved. So I, I think the best is yet to come. But as much as we're talking about James Daniels and his future, I think it's going to benefit Cody Whitehair and he'll be a more powerful, stronger guard next to Charles Leno Jr. Yeah, Cody, I tell you what, man, he's, you just think about how valuable he is. And I know Tom and I have talked about him before. I mean, he played left tackle. Uh, at K State as well, so to play, have a guy who can play both guard positions, the center position, and in, if in a pinch, if asked to play tackle, he could do it. 
he really could do it. So it's really a credit to, to Cody White here, and I'm with Tom. It really was nice to let James Daniels settle in. It's a new offense. Don't put too much on his plate in terms of the calls, and that's what Harry Heastan, I think he had a plan, and it's working to perfection so far. And, and a heck Bears. of a game against the L.A. Rams and Aaron Donald, that's for sure. James Daniels, a player to watch the arrow up here as the Bears get ready for 2019. When we come back, another player with the arrow up, Bilal Nichols, expected to join the program. We'll see how his offseason is going. Here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Back on Bears All Access, helping us out, Herb Lawrence and Adam Staczynski, as always. Tom Thayer and Jim Miller with Jeff Joniak here on Bears All Access. Pleased to be joined by second-year defensive lineman Bilal Nichols now as we look ahead to the 2019 season. Bilal, good evening. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Good to have you. How's the offseason going for you? How are you feeling, and how's it getting back into the, the, the swing of things? Oh, man, it's going awesome. Uh, you know, it feels, it feels great to be back. Um, you know, I'm having the pleasure right now of being able to work with the D-line and work with uh, some of the veteran guys. So, you know, it, it's great to undergo my first real offseason as a professional. Bly, the first play that we saw you take part in last year in training camp was at the nose guard position, but then your athleticism stood out and you were able to move up and down the line of scrimmage. When you talk about working with a defensive lineman, is there anything they want you to do to change your body, gain weight, lose weight, gain strength, change your style because they were exposed to your up and down line of scrimmage ability? Yeah, so, um, you know, one of the emphasis for me um, so far this offseason has just been changing my body. Um, not necessarily gaining or losing weight, but just uh, cutting down on the amount of fat I have on my body. So, um, you know, so far this offseason, I've been able to cut down a couple percent of fat off my body and, and really and really lean up, which is going to be uh, key for me. Um, and especially uh, using my versatility is going to be it's going to be real big for me to continue to do that. Well, what's the ideal play, playing weight you look for? Two eighty. I mean, uh, the, yeah, I think you were listed at two ninety last year. What are you looking for playing weight wise if you are leaner uh, for yourself? Yeah, I, I definitely wasn't two ninety last year. Uh, <laughs> I think they were going by uh, my college weight. So last year I played at around like three hundred two, three hundred three. Um, this year I'll probably be somewhere in the same area, but a lot leaner. Gotcha, and, and a lot stronger. Bilal Nichols, our guest here on Bears All Access. Jeff, Tom, and Jim joining you as well. Uh, Bilal, uh, you got in there, and, and as Tom said, the versatility was key, but you know, you, you got a lot of snaps for a rookie, you know, 328 on an established front, but that rotation is what every NFL team likes to give guys rest. Did you feel fresh when you got out there, even as you plowed through the rookie wall last year? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, uh, the wonderful thing about us, uh, we, we have a lot of depth in the D-line room. So, um, you know, whenever I got in a game, I always felt fresh because it was never like we were in there for, you know, a huge amount of plays. Um, and I feel as though that's, that's why we were able to be so su- successful as a D-line and as a defense in general is because we had so much depth and guys to, you know, come in and come out and, you know, they, our game not drop off at all. Well, your defensive line coach, Coach Rogers, brings an incredible teaching energy every day to practice. Are you sometimes surprised that he does such a great job of teaching the D-line and he's an ex-quarterback? Yeah, I actually am. Uh, I really didn't believe him the first time he told me he used to be a quarterback. Um, we, we argued back and forth. I didn't believe him at all. So, you know, it's, it's crazy because, like you say, he brings the energy every day. And, 
you know, he's he's a he's a great teacher. I mean, he's helped me out in ways um, I don't even think he really understands. Uh, so you know, it's kind of unique that you get a guy like that. And uh, he used to play quarterback in high school. I mean, in college. Careful, uh, Bilal. Quarterbacks are great <laughs> athletes, brother. But uh, let me let me ask you this: We, I mean, it's really a credit to you that you earned the respect of your coaches. You know, the, the trust of your coaches. Because man, you you played a lot, as Jeff mentioned, and it was early as the game against the Seattle Seahawks, and then that just kind of you know, really moved up as the season went along. And talk about your preparation and, and obviously the confidence in yourself because when you were called upon, I mean, you did your job pretty much every single time and ended up with, with three sacks your rookie year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, that that was one of the bigger things for me. Um, I would like to say that my vets helped me out a lot with that, uh, just preparing and how to prepare for game week. Um, you know, coming out of college, it's it's a lot different than prepared for a college game. It's a lot more detail, and, you know, a lot more uh, mental mental stress that go into it. So uh, guys like Akeem, Nick Williams, uh, Eddie Goldman, all all those guys that really helped me. Uh, you know, give me some advice on how to how to get ready for the week and things that they were that they would do that they felt it still helped them, and I felt like it helped me also. Bears defensive lineman Bilal Nichols joining the program. Always kind enough to join us. Uh, he's been on this show several times already in his young NFL career. Uh, delightful young man uh, who's got great future. And I, I'll tell you, the quickness that you show firing out of your stance off the line of scrimmage and what, whatever you were listed at and whatever you played at, if you were quick at 300 and, and you still want to get leaner and so forth, maintain that weight but be stronger, is, is your game – more quickness than it is strength, or is that quickness and strength? Do you play that together as you make your moves in the in the in the small spaces of the of the uh, of the trenches? Um, I felt like last year I was a lot more quicker than than powerful, um, but this year I got a huge emphasis on being almost equal. Um, I want to be able to switch it up. Uh, like you like like I said earlier, like a lot of my game is based on versatility. So I felt as though if I was if I could get stronger this off season and continue to get quicker, um, it, it could really create some matchup problems uh, for me, and you know, can help me be even more successful. So um, that was definitely something that you know I really wanted to emphasize this off season. Blau, thinking about the matchups you're talking about. So as the offensive line breaks the huddle and they approach the line of scrimmage, and it's a third and long, third and long or second long, whatever, and you have Khalil Mack next to you. Do you see a change in the way they focus the protection to you guys, or is it hopefully that we have the right protection call to go against two guys that can be as dynamic as rushers as the two of you together? Oh yeah, most definitely. Like if I if I have a uh, if I have a Khalil on my side, nine times out of ten, I already know that they're probably going to slide to my side. So um, in my head, I'm already thinking that I'm gonna make an inside move and I'm gonna get a one on one with the center. And uh, that, that's just where um, me being more powerful and quick is, is able to come into play because you know a lot of times if it's a if it's a smaller center, um, you know I might want to I might want to bull rush him and then a lot of times if it's, if it's a center who who's a little bigger, I might want to use my speed and quickness around around his age and try to gain ground on him. Well, as you talk about your great get-off, I, I had an interesting conversation today with a former teammate of mine, Chuck Smith. He was awesome uh, back in the day for the Atlanta Falcons as a pass rusher. And he talked about eyes being the key in order to have mm-hmm. great get-off. I mean, what do you focus mm-hmm. on? Maybe break that down for the listeners in terms of your eyes in order to have a great get-off. 
Um, well, a lot of times I kind of look at the knee-to-foot area. Um, a lot of times with offensive linemen, usually that's the first thing to move, um, their knee knee, and all the way down to their foot. Um, so pretty much I just go off of that. Um, sound, I don't, I don't listen to sound. Um, a lot of times, you know, you, you have great quarterbacks in this league that, that are able to switch up their cadence and have great uh, voice flexion and can really get you to jump offside. So I tune that out. And I'm really just going on a snap of the ball and that foot. As soon as I see it move, I'm, I'm just going. Bilal Nichols, our guest here on Bears All Access. I'll bring in the offensive lineman for his opinion now. So if you're facing a guy like Bilal, Tom, and Bilal's looking at knee, foot, at, what's your counterpunch to that as an offensive lineman? What could you maybe help him with as he works his way through his NFL career here with offensive line thinking? You know, I'm, I've tried to – you know, I, what I like about Blyle is when he said, if I got Khalil Mack next to me, I know what I'm thinking before the ball is ever snapped. So what I'm thinking as an offensive lineman is I'm trying to be so balanced in my stance that I don't give him that immediate indicator in which direction I'm going. And then, because offensive linemen know the snap count, I'm trying to use that snap count as a weapon. And if I can start my movement – a half an instant before the defensive line is alerted, alerted, that's when I feel I put myself in, in the advantage position. But, you know, sometimes in the loud atmospheres when the offensive lineman doesn't have the privilege of the snap count, that's when I see the Bears' defense being able to be the most overpowering and, and aggressive. And, Blal, I don't know if you like playing in a super loud stadium where you can't hear the snap count or if you like playing on the road when you can start hearing the cadence of the quarterback? I, I love when I can't hear the cadence. Uh, I mean, because I'm not even listening to it anyway, but uh, it gives me – I feel like it, it levels the playing field a little bit because at that time the offense might not be able to hear it either. So you really just it's, – it's keeping not only them honest, but you honest at the same time. Well, that's the advantage to you guys because now playing at uh, Soldier Field, I mean, they even added the alarm late in the year. I mean, they had that siren yeah. going off. You can't hear anything, Bilal. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it was it was awesome for us. Hey, Bilal, uh, what was your uh, best moment individually last year, if there was a snap that you'll never forget? And then what was your worst or your rookie moment when you had, oh, wow, that was, that was interesting? Um, my best snap, I would say, would be uh, the play where I was able, against the Patriots, I was able to bring down Sonny Michelle and uh, recover the fumble um, and kind of, like, take it back for about five yards. Uh, that was, like, the highlight of, I feel, of, of the, my young career um, from a, uh, from an independent uh, perspective. Um, and then one of the plays that really, like, uh, that really bothered me and I, still to this day it bothers me is uh, I remember we played Detroit. And um, I kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, got greedy and uh, gave up some of my gap integrity, and they kind of gashed us for a run. And uh, that, that, that's something that, you know, as a young guy, um, I still I still have that in my memory, and uh, I don't want to allow that to happen again. Um, you know, that's just something where, you know, you're just trying to make a play, but at the same time, you got to do your job. And, uh, you know, I definitely learned from it. Um, definitely happy. Definitely happy it happened early in my career so I can get that out the window now. And uh, I'm just looking to build off of that. Yep. Use it as fuel, my friend, right? Mm-hmm. Bilal Nichols, thank you so much for joining us. We'll, we'll talk no, to you thank soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bilal Nichols, our guest here on Bears All Access, coming back with Jim Miller and Tom Thayer here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lawrence Greeden cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago. Or watch anytime at ChicagoBears.com or on the Bears official app. Shout out to Anthony Adams, fellas. I don't know if you saw it in The Athletic, Dan Pompey. Tremendous article on the life and times of Anthony Adams. From football player to uh, internet sensation to uh, social media star. It was a terrific insight into how he is. Uh, developing that aspect, his second career, so to speak, while maintaining his, his presence as a media guy, too, with the Bears and other outlets like Big Ten Network and so forth. You know, for the people that really don't know Anthony Adams that well, Jeff, I don't want them to lose respect for what a great football player he was because he is such a funny guy. He's he's fun on his feet. He's got a great ad-lib ability and that his personality can go from generations to the young people to the older people. And that's one thing I, you know, you kind of, when you go to that second career, you always have to realize that Anthony was one hell of a football player. Yeah. Now, I t- one, he's got 2 million Twitter followers. Right. I mean, this guy's <laughs> blowing it up on uh, Twitter. You know, and I can just tell, I know guys that have, that have played with Anthony and even talking to coaches that have coached against him. I think he gets some of the greatest compliments because we, we used to do, Pat and I, did a, a weekly with Mike McCarthy, and uh, when he would play the Bears, he said their best defensive lineman is Anthony Adams, and he he made it a point to always bring up Anthony's name. And it, so not only does he gain the respect of your opponents, which is always a a great uh, to, to, you know great thing to have in in your back pocket. I just think when you listen to all the players that have played with him. Uh, how, what a great teammate he was, how fun he was to play with, and obviously his enthusiasm and just his personality. I mean, you know, I never got to play with him, but I, I respect that. You know, I, I I wish I had the opportunity to play with Anthony because every player that I talked to that ever played with him absolutely loves him. Yep, high praise indeed. This defensive line, you know, we had Blau Nichols on here if you're just joining us just a moment ago, but that D-line was outstanding stop on the run last year. Uh, franchise record for fewest rushing yards in a, a 16-game season. Uh, all the way back to the 2001 team, which, you know, that was Ted Washington, Keith Trailer, and Brian Robinson and Philip Daniels and the fellows. Uh, the Bears, number one in, the, in rushing defense, 80 a game, number one in scoring defense, number three in sacks, fourth on third down, fifth red zone, seventh against the pass, but only one 100-yard back in regulation over the past 34 regular season games. For it to continue this year, you know, that development needs to continue with, with guys like Bilal. Uh, we know how good Akeem Hicks has has become and how impressive he's become a pro bowler indeed. You got Eddie Goldman continuing to develop. You're looking for more growth from Jonathan Bullard, Roy Robertson-Harris. But there's some good rushing attacks and some good backs coming on that schedule here in 2019. Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook twice twice a year. But, you know, Jeff, one thing about the Bears is the opponents weren't alerted throughout training camp that they were going to have Khalil Mack and they were going to have Leonard Floyd and they were going to have the pass-rushing ability out of a guy like Blal and, and Akeem and, and the rest of the guys. So all of a sudden now you're trying to devise these game plans. All right, we're going to run the ball on first down. We'll run it on second. We'll get ourselves in the third and medium so we can protect and get the ball out of their hands. All of a sudden, now they're saying, if we don't run the ball successfully on first and second down, we are playing right into their hands. So it's going to be neat to see the evolution of opponents, how they try to put personnel on the field. Will they put big packages to try to put big blockers in front of great pass rushers and still try to gain those difficult yards to put themselves in more realistic third down opportunities? 
Or are they going to say, okay, they got changes in the defensive backfield. Let's see if we can protect and take advantage of the backside. I think it's going to be really interesting from week one with Aaron Rodgers right down the line how they're going to try to get those hard yards to put themselves in a, in a better protective situation. Jim, what do you expect? Yeah, and it's not going to be easy for opponents to prepare. And I see it, it you know, even week one when you look at, at Green Bay because they're looking at film with Vic Fangio as a defensive play caller. Chuck Pagano is different. How is he going to utilize these guys? Will he use more stunts? Will he use more blitzes? Down and distance is going to be uh, important in how uh, Chuck Pagano deploys things. So it's not going to be easy for opponents to prepare. They're going to go back and look at old film of an Indianapolis Colts defense. Well, Chuck Pagano's now back in a 3-4. He's not running a 4-3 like they were in Indy. Right, and you got totally different personnel. Personnel, he can't wait to get out on the field and start calling the plays defensively. When we come back, we'll be joined by former Bear safety Mark Carrier, who's back in town, too. Uh, a new job. We'll get into all that with Mark Carrier here on Chicago's Sports Radio 670 The Score. Back with you on Bears All Access, Jeff Joniak, along with Tom Thayer, my broadcast partner from News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBM, and former Bears quarterback Jim Miller from Sirius XM NFL Radio, and Bears preseason football not long from now. Good to have a former Bear and good friend joining the program, former Defensive Rookie of the Year, three-time Pro Bowl safety, the Bears' sixth overall pick way back in 1990, the ageless, though, Mark Carrier. Mark, good evening. Thanks for joining the program. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You know, we had Otis Wilson on last week, and he's 60, and we think he can still play right now. He looks fit to hit. Are you Are you in that same condition right now? <laughs> no, no. Otis Otis found a fountain of youth years ago. I don't look as good. Otis Otis still look. I'm younger than Otis, but he still looks better to me. Hey, coaching all the coaching as much as you did after your career kept, kept you in great shape, not only physically because you had to keep up with these guys, but. I'm sure the mental side of the game. Uh, how did it expand your view of the game from your playing days when you coached, you know, at Arizona State first, and then over to Baltimore, the Jets, and the Bengals? Well, it, it taught me how the, it, it showed me how the game has changed and how it, I had to learn how to re reevaluate things. And uh, and I was taught by a lot of good guys on how to, uh, you know, from you know guys like Tom Thayer and Richard Dent, Singletary. I mean, I learned the game from those guys on how to be a professional. But when I went to start coaching in the pro ranks, it was a different mindset, guys. You know, these guys were, you know, they knew they were better, bigger, stronger, better athletes than I was. But they didn't necessarily, I don't think they was as mentally tough as the guys I got got to, got taught by. So you had to understand that and respect that. But you also had to be, you really had to be a better communicator with them. The game was definitely different. It wasn't run by the players like it was when I broke in. It was it was more run by uh, the coaches and the communication had to develop with those players. Mark, I'm, I'm glad you talked about the change of the game because I think the safety position has probably changed more than most positions in NFL because rule changes, it changes your tackling target. The, you have to cover better receivers, bigger receivers, different style of receivers. And then how do you transition a guy that came in as rookie of the year, 10 interceptions, to trying to cha- translate the way you play to the way you have to play now? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, it's just what it is. I mean, and it starts with college. You start where a few years ago, when even I was coaching, 
offenses weren't re- weren't ready to accept college the way the college game the openness the spread the uh, being in the shotgun the spread offenses pros weren't always ex- ready to accept that but if you want to get these young quarterbacks and get them going early get them started early you have to accept it because this is what they learn you're going to drop the quarterback in the first round and you you want to get him on the field then you better adapt your game to what he knows and what he knows best and so teaching like my position a little bit, you know, a lot was in between the tackles. You had to shape, show, form up, and fill up in between tackles. It wasn't as as much covering. You had to cover slugs for tight ends. Now with the game being spread, these tight ends are very athletic. They flex out a lot. You got to be, you got to be very mobile. Yet you still got to be a sure tackler. What the game has changed now is, is that your coverage, understanding how to cover in space, where it wasn't that big a deal when I broke into the game. Well, and Mark, Jim Miller, good to talk to you, bud. And when you look at it, a lot of these safeties are starting to make business decisions, too, with the changing of the rules. Uh, like you said, they, they don't want to come up and be body rockers, uh, essentially. Used to have the ability to, to intimidate, and that was a style of play. And it just seems now, you know, it could be a business decision where maybe a player doesn't want to pay a fine, so to speak. You're right, and Tom hit on it earlier, but... Uh, I kind of came in, me and Chuck Cecil, my boy, who kind of came in when those rules were being evaluated. The body rocker, uh, but, Chuck. Yeah, that's right. You know, Chuck Chuck was like, it was either him or me type mentality. But what a lot of people don't know, I mean, if you read the bio, I was suspended three times. Matter of fact, if I was to come out and play out of retirement, I would have to sit out one game. I still have a suspended 50. <laughs> so, so that's how the rules have changed so much where – and I get it. I understand their safety. What I, my argument, what my difficulty is, again, I think you hit it earlier, Jim, where you're talking about you got to aim. We, I mean, when I was coaching guides, I tell them you had to lower your target. Well, you had to aim for the stomach. Yeah. And I remember this, how the game has changed. And, Tom, you can contest to this. If you aim, if you went to a guy's knee on the football field, on an offensive guy, not only were you getting ready to get in a fight with their offensive guys, you're probably going to get in a fight with your own defensive guy because they know retaliation was coming back, and they knew yeah. that it was going to come back on them. So our own players were very uh, – my own players were very defensive, like, hey, if you aim and went low on a guy and hit his knees, they knew it was going to come back at them, so times are going to be different. So we're now you're almost – you're forced to do it now because you're so afraid of getting fined. But when I play – if you went to a guy's knee, you better be ready to go and get into a fight because it was going to happen, <laughs> and your own teammates are going to fight you because they know they're going to get it after them. This is Mark Carey, our guest, the former Bears safety, and he'll be joining us for the Bears 100 celebration weekend in Rosemont, June 7th through the 9th. Enjoy player autographs, photo ops, football panels, and activities for all ages. Get tickets today at ChicagoBears.com. Uh, there are certain players, and, and certainly the way you hit at the safety position for the Bears and played the, the ball hawk that you were at a time when the Bears were still a very, very good team. Certain guys were just, in my opinion, born to be a Bear. Were you born to be a Bear? I thought, I, yes. I when I when I got drafted by by Chicago, I thought I you know knowing the monsters of Midway. Again, I was coming from California from USC. Of course, that that got me a lot of flack. Thank God Van Horn protected me a little bit, but. Uh, I thought the the mindset and what that meant and what that stood for fit my mindset, my mentality, and I wanted to be part of it because they weren't going to let you in that fraternity or be accepted unless you came with a mindset of a toughness, aggressive attitude, 
and I felt my game mastered matched that mindset that way. So it was a it was an honor and a privilege to be part of the Bears. Hey, Mark, um, you talked earlier, you said when you were playing safety in your career, a lot of your game was in between the tackles. One of our first seminars is with Jim McMahon and Mitchell Trubisky. Now you're playing safety against each of these guys. Does the RPO offense change your approach to the safety position? Because Jim was an aggressive down-the-field guy. And just a little bit about how RPO offenses affect you. Yeah, because... You know, the way the rules are, and, and, and it benefits you, Tommy, because you can step across the line for two yards and still throw the ball down the field. That's another story we can have later. But but the way the game has changed with these RPOs, these run-pass options, basically it's almost, if, 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 if you look at it what it was for us, in a way, it's almost like the option, the run option. Instead, you've got the passing game where the quarterback, and Jim can speak to it a little bit better, there's reading the box. And, it, and what the quarterback is taught is see, hey, what's the number in the box? If the number says run, you run it because you've got your favor. If it doesn't say that the numbers favor you to pass, then you're going to fake the run and look for like a little bubble screen or slant or something and get it out of your hand. So it, it basically, and the quarterback's only reading one side of the field, so it gives him a chance to be uh, uh, simplify the game for him to read it early. And especially if you've got a quarterback who's got some mobility, then it get, now you've got that, that, that extra runner in the backfield that, that's unaccountable uh, in your count scheme from a defensive standpoint. So what, that RP, what these RPOs done, it puts the defense on their heels a little bit because they got to react. they got to kind of wait and see what's happening and play that, and you got to be really uh, assignment disciplined. If not, then you're, you're, you're in a vulnerable way of getting a big play thrown at you. Well, Mark, this is uh, just for selfish reasons. I, I'd like to know this because I think it's going to be interesting what happens in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. And also because you look at the playoff game where the Chargers go in and they beat the Baltimore Ravens. And I don't want to say Gus Bradley lucked into it. They were down a couple linebackers and they went with six DBs and seven DBs and they pretty much shut down Baltimore's RPO offense with, with Lamar Jackson. Do you think you'll see potentially more penny personnel or dime packages on the field versus these RPO offenses moving forward? I, I think you're, I think it's a good point there, Jim. And I think you're starting to see it because what we, you know, you talk about the safety position and how that's evolved and changed. And you look at like the Mark Barron from Alabama and, uh, uh, university, um, the Cardinals, at another state, I can't think oh, of his Dion name. Buchanan. Oh, Dion Buchanan, you're thinking of, I think. Yes, exactly. Yes, Buchanan from Washington State. And what you're starting to see to kind of counter that athleticism with the quarterback is that you're going with a smaller package on the defense. Like you say, more nickel, more dime, because you're going to need guys to cover, but you need that tackle, someone who can play in a box, but good enough to tackle uh, and play the more because what you have to defend now, what was happening with defenses now, you have to defend the whole field, even though you're, you're geared, you, maybe they might be attacking one side, but you still have to defend the whole field, wide open field, where we mentioned earlier about playing in between the tackles. Now you got to pretty much defend from sideline to sideline because the game's so much wide open with these RPOs and these bubble screens, the run, the quarterback mobility. Mark Carey, our guest here on Bears All Access with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. Uh, Mark, you, you've worked with Chuck Pagano. What can Bear fans expect, from, and more importantly, what can players expect from the new Bears defensive coordinator? Well, I love Chuck. Chuck is, 
I learned a lot from Chuck. I enjoyed my time working with Chuck and, and, and the players will, you know, obviously I, and I had a good pleasure of working with Vic Fangio too. So I know what how, how good coach he was or still is. And I'm hoping he does well for Denver, but, the, but the bear players, if they haven't already, they'll find out they'll love to play for Chuck that Chuck one, he's very smart. He, he's well-prepared. He'll have his players well-prepared, but he'll also listen to his players and, and and hear what they have to say and and get their understanding on the defense and and what they feel and then but more importantly uh, put them in situations that where they can be successful. I you know I learned uh, from Rex Ryan, obviously Buddy Ryan's son, and and Tommy knows Buddy very well. Is that the one thing you learn is you better understand your players and what you got and 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 make sure you. You, you evaluate what they can do and can't do, so you make sure you're they put them in positive situations. Because you don't, then you're going to have a struggle on your hand. And with Chuck, know, and Chuck knows that he's going to put them in good situations. He's going to put them in situations to be to be successful. He's going to listen to them and get feedback for them, and he's going to make great adjustments. Because part of being a defensive coach is one about X's and O's. That everybody's got X's and O's, but you've got to be able to make adjustments on the fly because eventually everybody's going to figure out. And you got to make adjustments on the fly to put yourself in a situation to be successful, and that's what Mark, Chuck you, does. Mark, you came in as a high draft choice, and you expected you had a really you had so much success um, that first year. When you look at where Eddie Jackson was drafted and the success he had, does it surprise you or impress you that he comes out of Alabama and he's able to step in and and have a high performance first year like you did? Well, I'm always I'm impressed. I. I uh, from uh, Eddie Jackson, what he's done because I still think it's not easy. I, I again, I had the good fortune I had, as you know, Tommy. I had some Hall of Fame great players around me that made my job easy. There's no question about that. That's why I was successful, especially early, because of the great players: the Sean Gales, the Richard Dents, Singletary's, um, Ron Rivera, Dan. I mean, I had great players that made my job easy and taught me the game. What Eddie's come and done under, you know, first under Vic Fangio, and I'm sure with with Chuck, because Chuck is a DB guy too. That and and obviously he comes from great stock from Alabama from Nick Saban. And you hear, you get around Nick, Nick will tell you he's the best DB coach ever. If you listen to him, he'll tell you that personally. But uh, you see what he's done, and that's sort of to, the, the, to be able to, to. It's one thing to get the balls and see them, but you got to catch them, and it's not easy to do that. And this kid has done that. He's he, uh, talking with people behind the scenes. He's a student of the game. He learns. He's always trying to get better. So, I, I'm one, I'm very impressed, but I'm not surprised because it's the background of this kid. You expect him to be successful. Well, Mark, is your career as, as a coach, you know, whether it's, you know, in Cincy or the stuff you did with the Jets or even with the Ravens, are you surprised? Because this is what I've said about the young Bears players. I've never seen a group of more mature young men coming into the National Football League. Did you see that as a trend as a coach from a player standpoint, that these players, at least, you know, dealing with off-the-field stuff and everything they're they're doing to prepare themselves to enter the National Football League, just the, a maturity level about them. Maybe all the stuff from the NFL is trickling down to the college ranks because I'm starting to see a trend uh, of players that are coming in like the Bears' young draft picks. I, I, you know, Jim, I, I, it's a crapshoot. I mean, some are ready. I, I mean, part of it's all about the scouting. You gotta give the scouting a lot of credit and where these kids come from. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. It, you know, I'm always pulling for kids to do well and being a coach, 
it's not always worked that way. You don't always right. get, you know, guys who are uh, self-disciplined, who self-discipline themselves, who who are right off team players, who try to, uh, you know, build within the group to make it. To, to you, they know if you can work with each other, the better you work together, the more success you have early. I wish it was always like that. You get some guys who are great athletes, who are great players, but they necessarily don't always have that that team first mindset and you've got to get them molded that because they've been successful. The difference with athletes now is these guys are so successful early. Their mindset sometimes, not all, but sometimes think because they're so successful early that they got it all figured out, that the game, they figure oh, the game is easy. I got it figured out that they, they, they shut their mind off of trying to improve and get better to help their team get better. But the bears have gotten, they've gotten players who are, who come in with that mindset. Hey, how can I get better? How can I help the team get better? and keep that process moving, going. And if you get guys like that, you get a bunch of them like that, man, your team is destined for success. I know we got some traveling music on, but you're back in town. Loyola Academy Associate AD mentoring young people. How's it going? Uh, it's been great. Uh, it's, hey, hey I, I'm to get my bring my wife back home to Chicago where she's from, hey, I, I, I can do no wrong in our house, but the, the, the school and – and the people at Loyola have been have been great and and, and welcome me back into the pro and into their school and 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 bringing me along you know slow just give me enough to to get comfortable get my feet wet but also give me freedom to to do things like this to still be in, you know be involved with the Bears in any capacity they would like me and I would like to so I I can't say enough for the Loyola Academy it's been great I, I'm just happy to be back at home be back with my boy TNT. <laughs> Sayer back in Chicago. <laughs> Good to have you back, Mark. We'll see you at the Bears 100, June 7th through the 9th. You'll be there for opening ceremonies. We'll be looking forward to seeing you. Thank Thanks, you. Mark. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bears safety, Mark Carrier, 20 picks in seven seasons with the Bears and 10 forced fumbles before wrapping his career up with the Lions and the Washington Redskins. We'll continue on. One more segment with Tom and Jim after this on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Special thanks to Mark Carrier, former Bears safety, joining us. Good conversation as always, Tom. We enjoyed seeing him at his coaching stops. But um, what sticks out to you about him as a player and uh, where he left his mark? You know what, Jeff? It's more the history of the position with the Chicago Bears. If you look at the names of the safeties over the di- different decades and the eras, that position comes in with some pressure when you do get drafted. Because when you get it started, I know. I, again, I'm not. I'm trying not to lose any, miss anybody out. But just in, you know, the Doug Plank and then the Gary Fencing and Sean Gale and Mike Brown and Doris and Todd Bell and then Mark Carrier. When you get drafted so high out of USC at that position, you're expected to come in and and be one of those great safeties of the Bears' history, just like the history of great middle linebackers with the Bears history. So there is a little bit of pressure that comes in at that high draft choice out of USC to be a safety for the Bears. And Mark lived up to all the expectations they had for him when they drafted him. Jim Miller also with us. And Jim, uh, listening to him break down the, the secondary play, you can see and hear some of the influence of who he was with in his coaching career, whether it would be Chuck Pagano, Vic Fangio, uh, Rex Ryan, uh, he was around some pretty nasty guys playing the game, and Terrell Suggs and Ed Reed and Helodinato over there in Baltimore for starters. I-, I love hearing what he has to say, especially about that unit. Yeah, well, it's, it's aggressive mentality when you look at that style of play, and, and certainly Mark was, was an aggressive player. And 
you know, that the game is changing and it, uh, you know, like what Mark said, and I think pass rush is, is a big part of it. And the safety position now is a big part of that. You look at all the teams that are drafting like big nickel guys, you know, the Jonathan Abram, you know, get, getting drafted. Uh, these are safeties that are now some can play up at the slot position, but yet are they're counted on in order to blitz, to pressure, to, to get sack totals and, and things like that. And that's what kind of what Pat Kerwin and I have been doing the last uh, week and a half, going through every division and finding the divisions that have the top pass rushers. And you look at the Bears division, when you look at the NFC North, it truly is the black and blue division. It is the only division where every team had over 40 sacks as a unit. Hmm. Minnesota comes in. They had over 40 sacks. Green Bay, when you think of their defense, they had 44 uh, sacks uh, on the season. Here are the Bears. They finished with 50. Minnesota had 50 sacks. The NFC North is the only division where all four teams come in with over 40 sacks. People would say, oh, it's got to be the AFC West because you think of of Von Miller and the Denver Broncos. You think of Joey Bosa and Ingram. You think of even Kansas City. Their defense stunk last year, but they had 52 sacks Hmm. with Houston and and D. Ford. The Raiders were the only team that come in. They had 13 total as a team. The Bears division, the NFC North, is the only division that truly every team can absolutely obliterate obliterate the quarterback on the other side. Really amazing when you think about a tough gotta, defensive division. Got to protect QB. All right, a couple notes uh, over the weekend. Mike Davis, Bears running back, uh, had a very good Mother's Day, or maybe his mom had a very good Mother's Day because uh, she got herself a, a brand-new house for Mother's Day. Great, great move by the young man. He got his uh, first uh, you know, sizable contract with the Bears, $6 million over two years. That's that's, uh, And I know Russell Wilson did the same, but... No one's really hearing about Mike Davis. He sounds like Tom now. He'll get laundry and food for life. He'll always have dinner on his on his plate. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's some of the players, too, you read about that have gone back to graduate and surprised their moms with uh, the, just their, uh, their desire to graduate from college because for the young guys that leave college early or haven't graduated yet, if, if you're lucky enough to stay in the NFL long enough, you could have an opportunity to buy your mom a house. But if you go back and you get your education and you get your degree, I think that sell, says a lot about you as a determined individual to make yourself better because ultimately that's what you're going to need when your career is over. All right, yeah. i got to bring up the uh, the passing of Gunther Cunningham because um, he died at the age of 72 from an, uh, an illness. But this guy dedicated his whole uh, post-war Germany life as a, as a child to learning the game of football. And, Jim, you were on that team with Gary Croton. The Bears won back in 99, and it's always a, uh, a comedic Dazzle. moment about razzle-dazzle offense. But, uh, you know, they, they play razzle-dazzle. Bears won that game 20-17, to 17 and, and, and Gunther Cunningham didn't think much of it. Yeah, and while he, you know, he would like to uh, opportunity to to face the uh, the Bears again because he's one of those coaches. He would always morph. He'd change. If you beat him one way, you are not going to beat him uh, that way again. Forty seven consecutive years he coached in the National wow. Football League. Says a wow. lot uh, about him. Talked to Billy Kuharik today, who was one of the front office personnel down there in Kansas City. Everybody called him Gun. Uh, for a reason. He was a tough, hard-nosed coach, very well-respected around the NFL, and that's how you do coach 47 consecutive years because as soon as he was out of a job, he had another one very, very, very quickly and why he finished as a consultant with the Detroit Lions. Special, and, special coach and man. And, Tom, he did interview for the Bears' job back in 98. And I don't, I, know, I, I don't know if you had any conversations with him on the sidelines over the years. No, I didn't. You know, it's more of paying attention to his explosive personality in front of the cameras. He wasn't shy 
to kind of share his feelings about either the team he was playing against, the way they had their offense. And, again, we kind of all say the word razzle-dazzle because every time we're kind of reminded of the fact that he called Gary Croton's offense a razzle-dazzle offense after they they did lose. But um, I think that's just an expression of frustration immediately following a game. Maybe it would be different in today's world when you have a little cooling off period before you have to meet the media. Well, we're going to uh, pump up uh, Bears 100 once again. It's a once-a-lifetime event. Uh, J- Jim, are you are you going to be able to make it? Yeah, planning on coming in town. There's no doubt Very about good. it. So working out the, the schedule as we speak. All right, so get your tickets at ChicagoBears.com. Uh, there's unbelievable opportunities. You're going to have more Bears in one place than have ever been at any given time. It'll never happen again this way. Uh, autograph, photo sessions, uh, the sessions that Tom and I will be Uh, doing over the course of the three days, and it's going to be quite interesting conversation indeed. So bring the kids out, enjoy uh, a first weekend in June, uh, second weekend in June actually, and uh, come on out for the Bears 100 in Rosemont. We'll be talking to everybody then and uh, pumping it up over the course of the next few weeks. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. For Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, and our guests tonight, Bilal Nichols and former Bear Safety Mark Carey. I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks, as always, to the guys back in the studio, Herb Lawrence and Adam Sadinsky. They do a great job. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great night. Talk to you next time on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Athletico Physical Therapy, and Ford.